raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. The coaching search continues. We talk about it today on Wes and Walker with plenty of other topics along the way for the next three hours. Then it's the Kyle Bailey show alongside Smoke Ludwig. I believe Kyle is back, so glad to have Kyle back on board. You'll hear him from three to six. We have the Hornets taking place um, right right after that. They have another back uh, uh, another game in a back to back scenario where they play Phoenix after they did lose to the Utah Jazz last night. We could talk about some trade topics, all sorts of stuff here today on Wesson Walker. And remember, you can always text us via the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. Let's talk about that coaching search right now. Sean Payton interviewing with a couple of different franchises. They just had another interview complete today as of 1120. So within the hour, we're going to get to all of that as we set up, set the scene, and get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. The Kellen Moore interview is complete. The Sean Payton interview is complete. The Kellen Moore interview was done officially as of 11:20. Those reports started to come in, and as you continue this coaching search, bringing you some updates on everything happening along the way. Kellen Moore and Sean Payton, the two guys that did have the most recent interviews, but Shane Steichen is still coaching in the NFL playoffs. Where are you right now as far as Steve Wilkes also thrown into the mix? Mike Kafka, plenty of names to bring on board here. But Wes, where are you on the coaching search? Some of the more interesting things that you've seen, whether it be Sean Payton interviewing with Arizona, just all of the things about us right now, what's more interesting to you? Uh, It seems to be a lot going on and nothing at the same time. I mean, you see a lot of coaches doing interviews, but nobody's being hired yet. And I thought we would have had somebody come up by now, but there hasn't been anything doing. I think a lot of people are waiting for the Sean Payton uh, domino to drop. We know that Arizona's been added to the mix for him. So I think a lot of people are waiting to see where he goes first, and then they're going to make moves off of that. So I think he's got the market on lock right now. I still think the Panthers... I still think there's a high probability he ends up here just because of the offer that I think that Tepper will make to him. But we'll see. We'll see exactly how it all unfolds. Now, Jeff Duncan had an interesting tweet today. He said the latest update on Sean Payton is that he completed his interview with Carolina on Monday and he'll meet with Arizona officials on Thursday, as previously reported. Sean Payton's second meeting with Denver has been delayed, and there are rumors kind of growing about that Sean Payton is not Denver's first option. That's a little bit of the buzz surrounding the National Football League. And Jeff Duncan says this, In my opinion, 
the longer this goes, the likelihood of Sean Payton staying at Fox increases. Do you see it that same way? The longest this drags out, the higher the chance goes that Sean Payton returns to TV, maybe waits another year, and then returns to coaching with different franchises having vacant spots. I don't know that I believe that because I still think at the end of the day, the money will talk. So I think if he gets offered in the neighborhood of what he wants or offered exactly what he wants or more, then I think that he's going to make a move because the money's going to be too much for him to turn down. Any interest in Kellen Moore, especially after what we saw this last game against your San Francisco 49ers? Uh, I'm not going to necessarily say I don't think there should be, but not because of one game. Um, but Dallas's offense coming into that game with San Francisco, it was the highest scoring offense, I believe, since week four or five or something along those lines. And so I think that, you know, he's done a good job. Play calling is hard. You know, I, I get annoyed with some things that Shanahan does, the coach of the 49ers, but at the end of the day, it's still hard. If me or you or anybody else try to go out and call plays, there are going to be some play calls where people are like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? So, um, so yeah, I don't think that, like I said, that game would have any bearing on him getting a job. You just weren't a fan anyway. Because he can't help the turnovers that Dak Prescott made in that game. So That's not his fault. So Kellen Moore, being the offensive coordinator of Dallas, Fitty will go to the Cowboys fan to discuss what he thinks of his offensive coordinator the last few years. I thought he came on hot, right? Like a lot of people liked him fresh on the scene. Yeah. And then it kind of fizzled out, and, and that's kind of been the case as the years have gone on. Fitty, to me... I always see Kellen Moore as a perpetual coordinator. I think he'll be a pretty good coordinator throughout his NFL career. Nothing special, but I think probably top half. Maybe he has some years where he does an excellent job developing Dak Prescott continually, a different QB, whatever. I just feel like he's almost a North Turner, if you will. If you get just a long career as an offensive coordinator, does some pretty good things being that play caller. If he gets head coaching jobs, it might not go well. That's how I see Kellen Moore. I don't want him to be my head coach. How do you see Kellen Moore fitting? I mean, I think you're looking at a guy who was groomed by Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan. So he has the ability to be good, consistently good. But he doesn't have the ability to be great. Uh, Skip Bayless has weighed in on the Carolina Panthers interviewing Kellen Moore for their head coaching vacancy. Clown show. It's just not a smart move by Dave Tepper. <laughs> I mean, you, you could sell me more on Mike Kafka more than Kellen Moore because Kellen Moore has Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz. And, yeah, they were a high-profile scoring offense. But they weren't efficient when they had to be in the postseason. And I think, that's a, I think that's a direct reflection of him and his game plan. Stanford P wrote in, do you think the no news means the Panthers are waiting on or have offered Shane Steichen, just waiting on him to be out of the playoffs? It's an interesting theory because you do have to wait for this to be all said and done with Shane Steichen. He's the coordinator that looked the best in this pool of potential candidates that Carolina is considering. And it was awesome. Now, I like Shane Steichen a lot. I know a lot of people will criticize him because he does have two really good wide receivers. He does have Jalen Hurts. He does have a great offensive line. I think the offensive line is the strongest point against him because the best offensive line in the NFL, it allows you to do a lot of things. 
But remember, Steichen has been on the staff helping Jalen Hurts progress. He was also with the Chargers helping Justin Herbert step into a situation pretty quickly when he had to take over that starting job, Tyrod Taylor, when Tyrod unfortunately had the lung puncture from the team doctor and Justin's thrown into the job immediately. Steichen did a really good job of helping him go along with that offense. I really like Shane Steichen. I'm not holding the talent that he has against him. He's doing the most with it. A.J. Brown comes in. Excellent year. Devontae Smith. We saw him grow a lot this season compared to what he did his rookie year. Jalen Hurts. We had no clue what he was going to be this season. There were a lot of questions about whether he could be the guy, and that guy was in the MVP conversation. Love what Shane Steichen brings you. I think he helped prove that in this playoff game, and it will be interesting to see where he goes. Well, Sunday at about 7.30ish, they should be able to talk to him because his season will be done, so he'll be open for business. (laughs) But um, I think that, uh, yeah, what he's done with this Eagles offense has been fantastic and I think quarterback development is going to be a key part of this job because you're more than likely going to be working with a young quarterback Uh, this team seems like I said headed towards drafting one so I think that uh, drafting or signing a head coach that is good at quarterback development is going to be key I agree. And the offensive coordinators, we know that that is the philosophy David Tepper is looking at more so now, the offensive mind. You have Edgero, Evro. I don't think he's going to get the job. You still have Steve Wilkes, and that's the most interesting name in all of this as it pertains to Carolina because we haven't been talking about him a whole lot. There's all these other offensive names, and yet Kurt Coleman is telling you to hire Steve Wilkes. Greg Olson is saying how much he would like Steve Wilkes to be here. There's all of the players. All of the players on the roster right now, foundational guys, are telling you they want Steve Wilkes, and yet we keep focusing on some of these other offensive names. Fiddy, I know you got something. Why do you think they haven't been interested in Brian Callahan from the Bengals? 100%. And that's a name I, I feel like... People have been throwing his name out now, especially after what he did in this game against the Buffalo Bills. Totally with you. Because it goes to show the premium that owners and decision makers put on the offensive mind. That's just the way that the NFL has gone, but it doesn't mean that these defensive coordinators aren't deserving either. D'Amico Ryans, I think he's deserving of a head coaching job. Edger Evero, maybe with more experience, but I do think that eventually he'll be worthy of a head coaching job. And Callahan, too, with Cincinnati. I, I feel like we always go to the what have you done with the amount of talent on the roster, and then we try to find that ratio. It's, it's hard to find a coordinator, defensive or offensive, that has done more with their unit than what Callahan has done with Cincinnati. What do you mean by that? Of all the coaching, of the production that you've seen from Cincinnati's defense, that has been excellent. I think he's done the most with, I guess, the least, or just when you're talking about the roster and the unit that they're working with, I think Callahan's job is right up there with anybody and any of the coordinators that you have in this pool right now. Maybe Kafka, but again, Brian Dable is the guy that is calling the plays. and Or Kafka is the guy calling the plays, but Dable has the system in place. And I think what you've seen from Cincinnati has been really impressive. Um, Well, I think he's got a lot of talent to work with personally, but I think the most impressive part has been the fact that the offensive line has had the injuries that they've had, especially coming into Sunday's game. 
and they were still really um, productive. Obviously, well, this is defense. This is the the defensive coordinator. You said Callahan. We talking about Callahan, right? Brian Callahan. Oh, you're talking about the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yes, my fault. Yes, I'm sorry. I had defensive in my mind, (laughs) but you can also think of yes, the the Callahan. You're right about that. He does have a lot of talent to work with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The offensive line is very no. Because I was a bit confused too because. You know, we've been researching the coaches, but I'm not NFL coaching head hunter, so I wasn't sure who he was either, so I had to make sure before I began speaking because I was a bit confused. But, no, uh, I think he's in a tough spot because coaching under Zach Taylor, who a lot of people think is probably the main mind behind that offense, even though that may not be true, then you factor in that you have the guy that everybody's saying at this point – starting to look like the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't personally agree with that, but he is a monster, though. Yeah. And so so that Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, I mean, he's got a lot to work with. No, and you're right. The offensive coordinator with Callahan has done a great job. I was even thinking of the defensive coordinator, Lou and Arumo. I think what he's done has been phenomenal with what they were able to do against the Bills in the snow. And as we put a premium on offensive minds, I agree that you could think of another Zach Taylor prodigy, right, coming from the young coaching tree. And then on Arumo, if you're going defensive-minded, Cincinnati deserves attention maybe on both sides. I think defensively, I think the reason why some of the defensive coordinators, I won't say downgraded, but I think now it's so hard to stop the great offenses in the NFL. And I think that's why head coaches or owners are starting to feel like the way that you circumvent these great offenses is to have one of your own. Because mm-hmm. it is hard, man. You can have the best defensive coordinator. You can have the best players. But if you got nasty offense, man, it's, it's going to be hard to, to hold them down. Um, I mean, it, it is. and if Especially you're... with the rules, you add that into it as well. You can't hit guys. You can't grab them. You can't touch them. It's a lot going on. Uh, last thing before we move on and dive deeper into the coaching search, the Hornets, they have trade rumors about. It's going to be a theme all the way up until the deadline. With the Hornets losing so many games, we do have this to fall back on. As far as legitimately interesting storylines, I am fascinated to see how they operate with Terry Rozier. And I think the reason that is, because I don't know how to value Terry Terry Rozier right now. The contract, it's pretty big, but the cap is going to go up. So maybe that helps the value of Terry Rozier's contract. But we almost have this Russell Westbrook light type view where when the Wizards were looking to trade Russell Westbrook, it was whether they wanted assets in return or whether the team trying to give up those assets thought, wait, I'm not going to give up assets because we're doing you a favor by taking on the Russell Westbrook contract. And I think you have a little of that going on with Terry. Do you think the contract is awful enough for you to have to give away salary? Or do you think that Terry Rozier is valuable enough at that contract where you're willing to give up picks? I don't know how it's going to be, but we do know that Phoenix who they play tonight is someone in the mix real quickly as we end getting off the bus. What do you think about some of the rumors with Terry Rozier? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, as I said, he's really started to pick up his play lately from an efficiency standpoint. So I think that helps the Hornets, and I think it could help them maybe get some pieces that they could go forward with. They might not be as expensive. Yeah, the Hornets operating at the trade deadline. We will get to that a little bit later on in the show at 120. But coming up next, we will continue the coaching search. What would be a reason that a certain coaching candidate would not want to take this job. That's something Sean Payton has to answer. That's something maybe Shane Steichen has to answer. All of these guys, we'll get to that next on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM.
It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Stanford P. wrote in the Garage Door Guru text line. He texted in at 704-570-9610. I have to imagine it was shock here, but he said, did you just ask the reason a coach would not want to be here in Carolina? Seemingly like there's a lot of reasons, (laughs) which I can understand that. And I do want to dive into that. I want to get some more text here real quickly. Just talking about the Terry Rozier trade stuff. Wolfpack James said, what would you get back for Terry? Nothing any more valuable. I'm all for moving Rozier, but I need to get something back other than just future cap space. And I don't see this making sense for either Phoenix or Charlotte. Well, the rumors are that Phoenix is interested in Terry Rozier, Emmanuel Quickly, even Fred Van Vliet in the post Chris Paul era of the Phoenix Suns. I have to imagine there are some draft picks involved in that, but if Phoenix wants Terry and maybe you could bring back some interesting pieces, I want to save that. I, I want to talk about that because I, I think there are some interesting things to be had there with Phoenix. So we can save that for 120. Um, but I did want to go back to Stanford asking, what is the reason that a coach would not want to take this job here in Carolina? So the owner is interesting. Because David Tepper has given power to coaches before. He did that with his only hire so far. He did that with Matt Rule. And now he could potentially do that with Sean Payton. And Sean Payton might be a little more justified. No, no might be. It would be more justified to give Sean Payton more control than what you gave Matt Rule. There is a pedigree. There is a Super Bowl championship with that resume and there was absolutely nothing in the NFL except for like one year of offensive line coaching with the Giants when you looked at Matt Rule's resume. College, great, but personnel control, that was always weird when he gave him that on top of a seven-year, like $60 million contract. It was absolutely ridiculous. So when you're talking about some of the problems, though, we know Ben Johnson backed out, Wes, and you have to wonder if it's just just because he wants to be part of something special in Detroit. And that could hold some value. I'm not denying that. But how much of it is David Tepper also wanting to control the coordinator aspect of this, where they did try to get out in front of some defensive coordinator interviews like a Vic Fangio, maybe like a Marquand Manuel as well. So I think those are interesting aspects. What are some of the things you look to as why this Panthers job right now would not be all that attractive to any of these candidates? Uh, I think for one, I think maybe, well, not maybe, you are for sure looking at the quarterback situation, wondering how much of a chance will you really get. Uh, I think that would be a thing that I would really be looking at is what would be my job security. Quarterbacks equal job security. And so I'm looking at that coming in. Am I in a position? How do I feel about the guys coming in in this draft class? Uh, do I feel like I can find a guy? Because that's going to be vital for this new coach is to find a quarterback in the first, no later than the second season that is going to provide the job security for them. So I think if you look at that situation and say, okay, well, if I'm not able to get a guy in the draft and I have to go into the season with Sam Darnold, how great do I feel about that? Um, the weapons on the offense, not necessarily up to maybe the standards you would want. Which, of course, if they were, maybe they wouldn't be looking for a head coach in the first place. But you're like, I have some work to do there. Defensively, you might be looking at guys. Hey, maybe you're looking at maybe just playing the advocate here. Maybe you're looking at the defense and saying, well, you know, they got Derrick Brown. I don't know. Maybe he's just playing for a contract. And then maybe once we pay him, he's not going to play the same. And then Burns, 
I think he's good, but he's not dominant. So there's a lot of work to be done on the defense. Then you're talking about the ownership perspective. Maybe some might find Tepper to be a bit meddlesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe they can look at it from from that aspect because there are a lot of pundits out there who have labeled the Panthers as a dysfunctional franchise. And I think that some coaches may look at that and say, you know, I don't want any parts of that, especially if I'm not able to find a quarterback. But to me, that's the number one thing is for a head coach to figure out how can I get the quarterback I'll need to keep me employed. You said advocate in there, and I'm like, oh, okay, you're an advocate for this. But you really mean devil's advocate, yeah, and yeah. you don't want to say devil. Like <laughs> That's going to trip me up. We got to say contrarian. We got to say something, because I thought, oh, okay, okay I'll, say I'll say I'm the contrary. I'll say contrary, <laughs> Mufreya. So, I like that a lot better. Yeah, contrary, Mufreya. Mm-hmm, if yeah. you wanted to play that instead of devil's advocate, sure. that would work for us. Um, but no, I, I think ownership is, is one of the reasons. And it's not that I want to bash David Tepper all the time. One of the things that about him being your owner that's really valuable is the fact that he is willing to spend money. That's a really good thing to have in an owner mm-hmm. because you don't want somebody cheap. That happens all the time where they literally invest in a business. Straight cash, homie. Just to profit. All you want to do is profit. And I'm not being naive to the fact that David Tepper wants this to be a growing business. I understand why you would buy an NFL team. That makes all the sense in the world. But also, he's willing to spend the money. I've told you before. I don't care that he gave Matt Rule all that money. I mean, it gave him a lot of power. Sure, maybe if that meddles into the football operations side of thing, as far as it pertains to personnel, that's where you get an issue. But I don't care that he got the guy that he wanted in a bidding war where the Giants want Matt Rule too, and then David Tepper says, no, I'm willing to spend more for him. That's valuable. But it's when you start to say, I want to be in the draft room, and then these guys are making decisions with David Tepper in the draft room, does he like, hey, you know, I kind of like this guy. Hey, I like Will Levis. Maybe at number nine, you should take him. Well, David, I really like Anthony Richardson. You know, he's got this makeup. Yeah, well, I kind of own the team. And I like Will Levis. Right. So do with that <laughs> what you will. That has to be someone in the back of your mind. And I don't know if we've gotten reports that confirm David Tepper is making these decisions. I don't want to go too far. But that also is something to me that has to be, if it's in the room, how much does that affect your decision making? All right, well, if I'm Scott Fitter and I like this QB or if I'm Sean Payton, whoever has personnel power, and you're saying, all right, well, I like this guy, but I know David Tepper likes this one. Even though he's giving me full control, if I'm wrong on this QB prospect, then that's all me. And I'm going to have to eat that in the sense of I might lose my job. But if I choose the guy David Tepper wants, Maybe he'll be a little more lenient with the way that he operates and decides my future here with this team. Like sometimes that just gets too messy, even if you have best intentions. Just let the GM do what he's supposed to do and let the head coach do what he's supposed to do. Now, David Tepper did say something interesting when he was talking about the Matt Rule firing. This all the way coming back from October 10th, saying that there will be a better balance between the head coach and the GM on final roster say. He had a final say, I believe, in quite a bit of the roster. Will that philosophy for you change going forward? Will you not give that to the head coach, or is that something you believe in? I think a balance is probably more appropriate between the head coach and the GM, a better balance. That confirms all we need to know about how much power Matt Rule had. There should be a better balance. So I think with anybody outside of Sean Payton, you're going to see Scott Fitterer have most of the decision-making power here when it comes to the final roster. 
What did you make of the David Tepper soundbite as well as just how it all might line up with David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, and Coach X, whoever that decision will be at the end of this? I think it sounded a little bit of regretful, just the way he said it. Uh, when he's like, there's got to be, you know, better balance between the two. So I think he's like, man, you know, I probably messed up giving this guy so much uh, control. And that's something that I don't want to do again. And so that's the conundrum. If they hire Peyton and he does want all that control, Tepper has to go back, you know, into his mind and say, hey, is this something I really want to do? This didn't work out the last time. But I think the trust maybe and the credibility with Peyton is going to be higher than a guy that's not experienced at the NFL level uh, like Matt Rule was not as far as being a head coach. And so I think that if any other coach besides Peyton is higher, then they're going to, you know, he's going to make sure that that balance is there. Yeah, 704 number wrote into the text line, hey, look, if you pay attention, all the owners are in the war room. No, I get that. Honestly, if I was an owner, too, in the NFL, I'd love to be a part of the process just to see how it all unfolds. I, I don't blame David Tepper one bit in that, right? I just don't want him to have the decisions that affect what your football guy in Fitterer would, would be making in that situation, right? Like I, I would be too. I, I'd love to see how the process plays out. Hey Scott, what are you doing? You know, like I might be annoying. I, I don't know <laughs> if I would affect his decision, but I would absolutely be annoying. I'd be fascinated by all of it. I imagine we all would be. We're in sports for a reason. Uh, Q wrote in, um, no, excuse me. 704 number wrote in um, the ability Excuse me. Besides the GM and head coach alignment, the QB situation does need to be figured out. And so that's something we're talking about. Why would this not be attractive to another coach? I think you're right. I think the nine overall selection just being on the outside of the Bryce Young area of the CJ Stroud area and being there with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. That's what might not make it attractive too, because you know, there's so many there's so many pundits out there that would argue, well, if you're a coach and you go to a team with a promising young QB, that's fantastic. And I don't disagree with that. But sometimes it might be a little bit more uh, attractive to you if you have a high draft pick in the first round, like top five, top four, and you see one of those QBs that you really want and you are aligned with the general manager in an interview process, say, hey, I really like Anthony Richardson. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I'd love to work with him, right? Then that would be more valuable because you get to come in right away. It would be very Ron Rivera, Cam Newton-esque, even though it's not like Ron was the offensive guy, but you get the idea. You would have a fresh start, and you could have that offensive-minded coach in this scenario work with that QB. That might be something more attractive, but being at nine, that makes it a little bit harder. So I do agree with your quarterback situation and there's still plenty of work to be done with the weapons and trying to put the QB in the best situation possible. Yeah. And conversely, I think getting a young quarterback can help you in some respects because it does buy you a little bit of time. I mean, pretty much your first year is going to be a mulligan when you have a rookie quarterback, because people are going to say, you know, he's a rookie. Let's see what he can do. I think that buys you at least I'd say at a minimum a year and a half, but probably two seasons to see what you can do. And so I think that's where it helps as well. Uh, But as we said, as far as just when you're looking at things, you reasons you would not want to come, like I said, I think that's at the top of the list. But I think the Panthers do have a a, a good bit to like. Uh, But when you look at some of the other vacancies and you say, well, what do some of the other teams have? Some of the teams do have that. Like if you go to Arizona – even though Kyler Murray has kind of digressed a little bit, mm-hmm. but that's still something that you can look at. So, okay, that's a good that's a good starting point for me. Uh, Houston, they don't have anything. 
But uh, you could be very interested in Bryce Young. That's and, what I'm saying. And forty over forty million dollars in cap right. room, I think, and, is what yeah. it is. Right. And you're gonna have a high draft pick, the top pick in every or the second second one, second right. pick in every round. Uh, Denver, like I said, do you think that Russell Wilson still has it? That's the big key for them there. Other than that, I think that offense was a bit overstated uh, as far as just the weapons and things like that. I think they have good players on the offense, but I got caught up as well thinking that, oh, Russ with Judy and Sutton and all those guys. Oh, they're I gonna thought be they were going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah, but their defense is really good. So you have that. The Colts are another team. It's not a ton of like there outside of Jonathan Taylor, maybe one or two other guys, if that. You just got to invest in, the, in a quarterback, right. finally. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so they've just been putting it off so long. Yeah, so, you know, I think those are the things. But if you were to pick, I guess, any other vacancy over them, maybe Arizona only because of Kyler Murray, but he's such a pain. Right. I, that, not only that, he's a pain on and off the field. That bodes well for Carolina or it bodes well for Sean Payton to sit another year. So with that tweet that I mentioned from Jeff Duncan, the longer this process plays out, the longer he just, or the, the higher likelihood he just goes back to Fox and does TV. I think the charges are X factor without being an X factor because oh, this yeah. is it. Well, and, and that was the worst kept secret. Th- these are the words of Joe person, a part of the athletic saying it's the worst kept secret that Sean Payton wanted the chargers job and they decided not to fire Brandon Staley. So if you have another year where they have a first round exit, they blow a 27 point lead or they just don't even get to the postseason. Sean Payton's going to want to work with Justin Herbert right. and he's going to want to work with all that talent that they have over there in, in LA. And maybe another thing to kind of monitor here is what about Dallas? If Mike McCarthy ends up keeping this job for this season and eventually they fire him after next year because Jerry Jones just can't take it anymore. He needs to move on to the postseason, not just get there, but move on in the postseason. Then Mike McCarthy gets fired. Sean Payton is going to have the Dallas opportunity, and he's going to have the Chargers opportunity. Yes, but I don't see him going to Dallas because we've seen with Jerry Jones, he doesn't do well with coaches who tell him where he can go. <laughs> where is that? <laughs> where the advocate is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he doesn't do well with that. I mean, Jimmy Johnson, he messed up a dynasty. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, Parcells was there for a while, and Parcells was kind of a fixer, but they weren't. Parcells, yeah, you're right. Parcells is the ultimate bleep you guy, though. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying Sean Payton is going to cower over in the corner or anything. But he's off the Parcells tree. Yeah. So, you no, know, and, and you're right about that. I. I still think Jerry Jones is going after Sean Payton. Yes. I, yeah. So they, they would try to find a way at least to make it work. And I think that would be, even with all the Dak Prescott questions, I would take Sean Payton, Dak Prescott combo any day of the week. I don't know. I mean, I you've it. seen the highs that he's made though. These last few highs, he likes guys that are yes, man. Yeah. Jason Garrett was a bad. That's one. what I'm saying. He and, likes guys that are yes, man. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with Dallas. I, if, if Sean Payton, I mean, Dave Campo and all the other guys that he's hired as a coach, it's like, I know, Dave Campo. I thought it was Dave Dumbo. Text yeah. in at 704-570-9610 via the Garage Door Guru text line. Uh, 704 number wrote in. The more I listen to what is going on, I just don't think Sean wants to be here. I think he's playing with the Panthers to maybe get the money and uh, have that potential contract be higher. What do you think about that? The more this plays out, the more he doesn't want to I think one of the Carolina. reasons he may be making so many rounds is because of that. He, mm-hmm. wants to get that. he wants to get that dollar value up as high as it can get. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Panther Pickle writing in that the Texans have two first picks as well, two first-round picks. They have more for a rebuild. So if you were willing to do the whole long-haul thing, the Texans might be an attractive job there, although ownership with the Texans yeah, would be really bad. You Awful. Gotta, you got to be willing to work for a races if you want to go work in Houston. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you have to be willing to do that. It's like, well, they have the first-round picks, but this owner is <laughs> a racist and kind of crazy, so we're not going to do that. Um, and uh, we'll read some of these other texts. Uh, <laughs> somebody liked the Dumbo. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> At least somebody did. Yeah, I just don't. It was so stupid. It gets me. Who did that? Was that you? That was that was a you drop. You played a soundbite. No, I, I know it. Yes, I know. I know okay. it was a soundbite. No, was that a former soundbite of you? Yes, that's me laughing at probably something Willie Peace said back when he was he was in here for four hours and my head wanted to explode. Um, man, that was a little teehee from you. That was pretty good. All right, let's go to the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? All right, guys. Um, we were talking about this during the break, but former Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien is returning to the NFL to be the Patriots play caller. Uh, he spent the last two seasons outside of the NFL after he got fired from being the Texans head coach slash general manager. Uh, and, and Wes just simply asked, how many times is he going to go back to New England? But I'm of the belief as a guy that thinks Mac Jones can be a top 12 to 14 quarterback in this league with a guy like Bill O'Brien. He could get the most out of him or this could be the first domino in Tom Brady going back to Foxborough this offseason. Absolutely. And, and like Bill O'Brien, you talk about someone that looks like um, what should, not a joy to work with by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, watching what this guy has done in the past, it just doesn't seem like it's you know, very joyful to be on the staff with him. But I do think he's a good play caller. I don't think it worked out for him with the Texans because he had personnel control and it went horribly, horribly wrong. One of the things that I always gave him credit for was he was a guy that rumoredly did not want Brock Osweiler and they went against his wishes anyway. And so he had to deal with what was an awful contract. The first NBA style contract, by the way, that was traded into cap space with Cleveland because they didn't want him so bad. Good play caller. You're not going to be messing with Bill Belichick. That is somebody that's going to have all the power. So I like it. And it is, there's not going to be a bigger upgrade in OC than you're going to see with the Patriots from last year to this year, from Matt Patricia to Bill O'Brien. So good move there, especially with the gap that you're going to have between those two. Right, and the Patriots seem to be like, they're like a movie or a TV studio. They keep the same cast of characters, and they may leave, and they may go other places, but they always seem to come back home. And so... O'Brien is back. Like you said, we'll see what Mac Jones, because this will be a make or break season for him, uh, I think. And uh, But we may see 12 coming back as well. So it's going to be interesting. O'Brien looks like a guy who enjoys clam chowder. He does. He also has a world-class chin. I mean, that chin, mm. that's something that I always think of. With It's the crimson chin. He, I'm pretty sure, appeared on the Fairly Odd Parents one time. <laughs> More cartoon references. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 FM.
It's Wesson Walker back on the airwaves, 92.7 FM, WFNZ. We appreciate everybody texting in to the Garage Door Guru text line. We had a Crimson Chin reference from the Fairly Odd Parents. If you're into Timmy Turner, Cosmo and Wanda, Cosmo and Wanda, Mint Hillbilly wrote in, I loved the golden kneecap, but it was the bronze kneecap. That was one of the villains that the Crimson Chin had to fight. Either way, it was an excellent pull from Mint Hillbilly. Did you guys watch Fairly Odd Parents? You're probably way too old, Wes. Uh, I just made you sound man, ancient. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're way too old. Yeah, huh? yeah. No, I wasn't a Nickelodeon <laughs> cutesy kind of cartoon guy. The only kind of non-superhero cartoons I was into was... Uh, you know, Looney Tunes and stuff like that. Yeah, which is also goaded. I mean, that's legendary yeah. status. I mean, but they, they even they hit different now, though. When you watch it as an adult and you fully understand everything. Oh, yeah. And you watch it. Bugs Bunny was dying. was raw, man. Like, <laughs> he would do that. Yeah. What about you, Fiddy? Did you watch Fairly Odd Parents? Yeah, I'd watch it fairly often from time to time. I, I was oh, more yeah, of a SpongeBob guy because... Yeah, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, those two were those two were lit back in the mid two thousands. They were an excellent duo. Mm. Barnacle Boy, just angry <laughs> at the incompetence of one Mermaid Man, always made me laugh, and it, it still makes me laugh to this day. If you and I were to be a superhero duo, who who would you and I it be? It would absolutely be Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, and I'm Barnacle Boy. You're Mermaid Man. So you're you're admitting on the air that I'm more of a man than you are. Uh, yes, and I'm a boy. <laughs> I'm Barnacle Boy. But at least, it, yes, and, and it's it's actually truer more than I even realized at the um, beginning. Truer is a, isn't a word. Thank you, Steve Smith. But what happens is, hmm. if you're Barnacle Boy, all the bad things happen to him, even though I'm trying my best to actually do what we're supposed to do, and all the good things happen to Mermaid Man, I believe that would describe our relationship as a as a hero duo. <laughs> I think that's, it sounds a lot better than I even thought. Um, 704-570-96. 610. Feel free to text in. Tell us your favorite cartoons, even though I think we've had this conversation before. Let's go to the campus corner. Let's talk about this Duke loss last night to Virginia Tech. As Fiddy had brought up before, Virginia Tech started off 2-7 and seven in the conference last year when they would end up winning the ACC tournament. Well, now they're 2-7 and seven in the conference after their win last night against Duke, 78-75. to 75. They win at home. Here's LaFonso Ellis discussing how Duke should have gotten some shots. Once Virginia Tech, yes, they punched <laughs> uh, Filipowski after a celebration. Here's LaFonso Ellis a little bit more on that. MJ Collins made a huge shot, and he was just turning to celebrate as any of us would. And unfortunately, Kyle Filipowski's face was right there. And Seth talked about it earlier. It's not really about intent. You hit someone above the shoulders that way. It's a flagrant one foul. Should be two free throws and the ball at the point of possession. So after you see this punch, I understand that it wasn't intentional. But it's still a foul, right? Like, I still think that it doesn't mean that he needs to be ejected. Of course he doesn't need to be ejected because I do think intent has to be here for you to be ejected. But I do think that there should have been some fouls. You don't think so, Wes? No, I mean, I think it was a freak accident. I think he was celebrating. He turned around. and <laughs> You could <laughs> Wait, why are you laughing? Were you because it looked so funny. Okay, I'm sorry. That's, that's just my morbid sense of humor. But it looked so funny when it happened. I thought he did it on purpose. <laughs> when he turned around and hit him, I thought it was on purpose. And I was like, why is it? Why isn't there more of a commotion happening? Didn't realize because I had that one on mute and then I had the Hornets on the TV that I had the sound on. And so I just thought that they were, um, I didn't understand. And then now that I get it. So 
Lafonso Ellis, they didn't make any sense, though, because he's like, oh, well, he's celebrating like any of us would, and then just something freakish happened, but then he's like, but they should have got shots. Like, I mean, which one is it? If, if it's something that you felt like was innocent and there was no intent behind it, he didn't know Filipowski was behind him when he turned around, so no, I don't think Duke should have gotten shot. See, I view this as a lot of other fouls because it's not like when you're trying to block a shot, you mean to come down on the hand of anybody that you're trying to block the shot of, mm -hmm. but you do. There's no intent. You're yeah. trying to get all ball. Yeah. There's no intent from MJ Collins trying to land a punch on Filipowski, yeah. but it happened. I mean, he should have gotten some shots. And by the way, you oh, did. oh, he did. He got a shot to the throat. <laughs> Wes, Wes, this is as delighted I've ever seen Wes ever. Like, he literally stopped mid-take to laugh about some of the things he was thinking about in his head. Yeah. No, he did. You're right. Filipowski did take one shot. I think he should have gotten two more at the charity stripe. Besides intent, whatever, like, that's irrelevant to me. What did you think, Fiddy? Should Duke have been shooting some free throws here? What do you think I think? Oh, probably not. No, I guess that's uh, correct. Uh, um, I, I think the the thing about it was, doesn't Duke get that call of Coach K's there? Well, I know Josh Graham talked about that earlier. You're probably yeah, right Coach about K that. Coach K would have went off. Because he would have berated and belittled mm -hmm. those officials and made them feel Shire's smaller than that. a piece of dirt. And John Shire doesn't have the cachet yet. To even get away with those types of those types of antics. Yeah. I was watching the game and I just thought it was, you know, and you know, an 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 incidental play that happened. And you know, maybe if Kyle Filipowski was trying to play better defense or there something like that, he wouldn't have been in a position to 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 get you know punched on the in the throat on accident, <laughs> um, which like leads me to a question: Can I just punch you in the throat on accident? Is yeah, that allowed? Yeah, for sure. And then I'll <laughs> do it a lot more to you on purpose. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Jack wrote in. My man from V Tech hit a go ahead basket, then turned around and clocked Filipowski. <laughs> I love it. Good day to be a Tar Heel. Well, yeah, in the eighties, baby. I mean, it is it is a phenomenal sequence. I I <laughs> truly think within the confines of the game that Duke should have been shooting foul shots, but the sequence is absolutely hilarious. You hit a go-ahead shot to win the game, and then you punch their best player right in the neck. And Filipowski was on the bench, too, trying to gather his thoughts. They said he threw up. He looked clocked. Yeah. He did. Yeah. I mean, yes, I think there should He's have been. He's tough, though. But, um, Filipowski is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And plus, you're starting. There was that little lull in his play, but Filipowski still. Oh, he's um, been balling yeah. recently. He, uh, maybe he's starting to live up a little more to the uh, Matt Doherty claim that he looks right. like Christian Leitner. He's <laughs> starting to play a little bit better. Tenth double-double in the season last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah phenomenal player. Um, I do want to talk a little bit more about college basketball as we go on, but Carolina does have a game tonight against Syracuse. Fiddy will go to you. Of course, as we do usually with the Tar Heels playing the night of, what do you think of Syracuse and their chances to pull the upset against your heels? I mean, this is a team that is improving as the season moves along. My guy Terrence Oglesby think they will play their way into the field of 68, and to do that, and to do that, they'll need a win like tonight because they also have home losses to Colgate and to Bryant. So, you know, I'm of the opinion that Carolina has turned the corner. They're they're rounding into the type of team that's going to compete to win this conference. If that's true to be the case, this is a game they go on the road where they're 4-2 and two since the Orange joined the ACC and pick up another win. What do you think, Wes? Do you think Syracuse can pull it off? 
Uh, yeah, I do think this is going to be an interesting game. I think that they can pull it off, but will they? Carolina's won nine of their last 11. Syracuse has won 10 of their last 13. So this is going to be two hot basketball teams uh, in the Dome tonight. R.J. Davis, though, going to be one of those keys. Over the last six games, man, he has been scorching 51% from two, 56% from three, and 92% from the line, so he's going to be a key player. Armando Baycott, we know what he's doing, leading Carolina in scoring, rebounding, offensive rebounding, field goal percentage. He just broke the record, so, you know, he's been having a very Armando. dominant All-American type of season, and then coming off the bench, DeMarco Dunn starting to come on. He leads the non-starters in plus-minus, so Carolina looks to be rounding into shape and finding those guys that are going to be the key pieces for their run, but I think it's going to be a tough one tonight. Houston's is playing good ball. I think they'll pack that dome out to tonight and uh, have it rocking for Carolina. I want to talk more Mondo legacy a little bit later on in the show, especially after the rebounding numbers he has put up throughout his entire career. Wolfpack Woody wrote in, accidental tripping is still a foul, right? So accidentally hitting someone would still be a foul. 704 number wrote in, no intent. Filipowski at wrong place, wrong time. People get hurt in games. Doesn't mean it's always a foul. Joe Gibbs Jr. wrote in, Fitty, you can punch Walker. If Steve Smith can punch you, go check out the Steve Smith conversation on the website WFNZ.com and then C. Prince wrote in, Fitty would be crying if that had been Baycott who got hit and he would have been saying the heels deserve foul shots. I have to agree with him though. Like you asked yeah, me. Yeah, that was one of my demon deacons. I would be full yeah, double standard. For sure. Like double standard all the way around. Are you going to admit to it or are you going to deny it, Fitty? I mean, Baycott's an ACC legend. What is Filipowski? He's going to be an ACC afterthought after his one lone season at Duke. That's what I thought you might say. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We'll be back with more Charlotte Hornets conversation, Mondo legacy, but we'll continue the the, uh, Carolina Panthers coaching search talk as well. What coaches, what parties are actually hurt most by this thing dragging out? It's all up next on 92.7 FM. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.